WNBA expansion. No, really. I swear. WNBA expansion. Alex Simon of SF Gate was there live for the press conference. WNBA expansion. We're here to talk about it. Locked on women's basketball starts now. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are Locked On Women's Basketball, your daily podcast on women's basketball. Happy Thursday to you. I am Howard Magdal, and I want to thank you for making Locked On Women's Basketball your first listen Every day, over 100,000 of you showed up in September alone. Like We show up for you six days a week. Make sure you subscribe wherever you get your podcast. YouTube best. You get to see our smiling faces. It is not just me. It is the incredible team over at The Next, thenexthoops.com, where we have over 100 reported pieces on women's basketball every single month. Please make sure you subscribe. $9 a month, $72 a year. We just keep on growing. And reach out, editors at thenexthoops.com, if you want your brand in front of 1.3 million readers every month. 1.3 million. I kid you not. But we are here today to talk about something, and it's amazing. I was doing research for my book on the WNBA in Minnesota and their role in growing it. And I came across a newspaper clip from 1753, so 23 years before even the birth of our country, speculating that the Bay Area may soon get a WNBA team. So imagine how exciting it is all these hundreds of years later to see the WNBA here in the Bay Area, the announcement official, the stars were out, Tara Vanderveer, the up-and-coming young coach at Stanford, Erica McCall, Simone Augustus was in the crowd, and so too was Alex Simon, who I believe wrote that piece back in 1753. Alex is from SF Gate. It is wonderful to see you, Alex. In segment one, we're going to be talking about WNBA expansion, what it means for the Bay Area. In segment two, we're going to be talking about a report I had over at the next that Portland has already reached the Board of Governors conversation stage as the potential 14th team. Alex, take me through top line. What was the most amazing thing you saw from this thing that is just monumental for the WNBA? I think, you know, the thing that about today was just kind of the, the palpable joy that so many of the people we know in women's basketball, faces that are super recognizable, had that this was coming to the Bay Area. I mean, for one, uh, not to give away too much about what's coming at the next Howard, but I was seated in the press conference row immediately behind Michelle Smith, who has been covering this league for literally its entire existence at various places. But she's a Bay Area resident, Bay Area person who has never had a team in the local market. And we are so, th- I'm sure at the next, you know, you would have to be thrilled to be able to have a team for Michelle Smith to cover, somebody who uh, I'm sure will have more content coming from her here. Uh, Tara Vanderveer at one point was nearly in tears sitting there in the front row. There was just everyone you can imagine. It was clearly a festive day. Everything about today felt like it was a long time coming. 
And for whatever reasons we can get into as to why it took this long, the fact that it is here now and it is officially happening is it, it kind of just set the mood of thank God, I think would be the way that people would say, if that's your religious belief in that regard. Very fair. I think you, even even some atheists uh, may have uttered that when this finally came down. And, and the truth of the matter is that the Bay Area, I mean, I joked about 1753, but I shared it with you during my book research. 2011, there was a newspaper piece that talked about this legitimately, like, well, geez, the Bay Area next. I mean, this has been such an obvious move. And then there are very sound reasons why it hasn't happened during this period of time. I mean, the WNBA almost doesn't have a Los Angeles team right now because Joe Lacob was very close in conversations to buy the Los Angeles Sparks when they were up for sale in 2014. And I think the league probably in, in the idea of the Sparks being such a legacy and anchor franchise, it is the right decision. But that shows just how serious Lacob has been. Now, you can get into why they waited. He would cite, you know, first they had to build this building that I'm literally talking to you in here, Chase Center. It is going to be an immaculate place for WNBA events. It wouldn't surprise me at all if we see, you know, any type of WNBA event come out here even next year, maybe is to build up interest ahead of time, or especially in 25. They haven't announced the WNBA All-Star Game, but the NBA All-Star Game is coming here. Maybe you get both in the same building in the same year. Who knows? Mm -hmm. But it's clear that this building was the priority. Then the pandemic kind of slowed the Warriors down. But Joe Lakeup, in a pull aside with local media away from the presser, was saying that they were in discussions even before the pandemic. Kathy Engelbert said she was here but right before the pandemic started, potentially you would imagine to talk about expanding much sooner than the three-year gap between you know the beginning of COVID and now three and a half years. It's, it's you know, a what you, if, but right. I mean, there's so many what ifs as far as this lead goes, and the timeline of everything is so fascinating. I mean, look, I remember January 2020 was sort of the end of a sprint that Kathy Engelbert had dating back to the summer of 2019 coming up with a new CBA with the players. Now the work can begin was, I'm paraphrasing, but essentially what she was saying. And then less than two months later, COVID turned the world upside down. So, it, you know, it's hard. There are obviously so many what ifs along the way, but I mean, to your point, LA might not have been a team in the WNBA anymore. New York was in real, real danger after Jim Dolan left that team by the side of the road and just said, I'm selling, I don't have a buyer, but I'm not selling. And you're going to go play in a pinball machine at the Westchester County Center. And so a, hor a horse barn, right? I, I mean, I, that's, there are some really delightful horse barns with better sight lines. So I'm not sure <laughs> fair okay. comparison, but you know, now this New York team, you know, selling out that building at Barclays Center and about to play in a battle of the super teams this weekend. It's, it is just all so fascinating, but, but I want to get into the details and Sportico had a real interesting number. I thought where they talked about $50 million that was promised invested as part of being the new WNBA team. You asked Kathy a question about this. Take me through what 50 million is and isn't and what we know about it at this point. We actually, you know, I, I thought this is super interesting, right? I, I'm here in the Bay Area. We've covered the uh, we've covered the women's soccer team that's kind of come in, and they were very upfront and vocal about the fact that they paid a fifty million, fifty three million dollar expansion fee 
to right. come in and be just that's just what they paid to get in the league. Everything that Sportico has reported, and really I thought it was interesting in Kathy's answer to my question, kind of says that it was the Sportico report is 50 million. Some of it includes the expansion fee, but they haven't really said. And when I asked Kathy directly if they dec- if they would say the exact number, mm. she declined to say the direct number, but just say it was a record-breaking number. Right. And uh, Howard, you've covered this league for a long time. I don't think the number for an expansion fee needs to be all that big for it to break records, does it? No, it definitely doesn't. And it certainly, when the last expansion came in 2008, doesn't have to be. And moreover, it is significantly the case that this is just in the last couple of years, a record for any WNBA team sale. You can just go back relatively recently. And the general understanding is that both the Liberty and the Aces were sold for somewhere in the seven figures, not even getting into the eight figures. But this is no different than on the NWSL side, what we've seen, NWSL, where there were not just expansion fees, but also the Washington Spirit were sold for $35 million. And just a few years earlier, OL Rain was sold for somewhere north of $3 million, but not very far north of it. So we'll be back in segment two to talk a little bit more about this, Right back with Alex Simon, but first. Want to talk to you guys about bird dogs. And the thing you got to understand about bird dogs is how versatile they are. Now, look, I, I am in a scenario where I can't leave the house unless my wife thinks I look okay. That's just the reality. I'm married long enough that that's where I am. And so what does that mean? Does that mean are we going out for a golf outing? We're going out for a night on the town. Are we going for a walk together as a couple? This is important in any marriage. And so Bird Dogs is here to help. They do the most amazing thing. They have these stretch khaki shorts that are designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg. So it gives you a truly sculpted look, which as you uh, advance into your 40s becomes even more important to, um, let us say, put together the illusion of sculpted look. Bird dog shorts do the exact same thing as like real expensive things like Lululemon. They fit way better and they have this cloud knit fabric. It looks like khaki, but it stretches. So you're able to get away with anything you do. Is it date night? Is it a time to go out there and hit at the driving range? Is it time to get a little workout in? Because Yes, your marriage is going so well, thanks to bird dogs, that you want to live that much longer as a result of it. So I can't recommend it highly enough. And we have an amazing offer right now. If you go to birddogs.com slash locked on NBA or enter the promo code locked on NBA checkout, you get a free bird dogs water bottle with your order so you can stay hydrated while you're walking with your wife. That's birddogs.com slash locked on NBA for a free water bottle at checkout. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. So when we think about what this means, and, and, and again, also I just need a brief break. PSA, this is important because I've been getting a lot of this on Twitter today. I reported this morning that Portland has reached the Board of Governors stage in WNBA expansion conversation. Portland joins, that is the 14th team, if and when that happens, and it sounds like it's a very close thing. Okay, great. 
oh, but there are six teams in the East, and then there'd be eight teams in the West. And so a lot of people are saying, oh, you got to move Minnesota and you got to move Dallas. But you can't move both because if you move them both, by the way, then it's eight in the East and six in the West. So I'm just like very strongly suggesting that recount, think about it again. It's just, you just move one. My understanding is Minnesota is the best position to do that. Then you've got seven and seven. Then you're all set. So just find in the math. Add two teams to one side only needs you to move one to balance it out. That's very, correct. Very- now, alter- alternatively, if you did what I suggested on the podcast with Sabrina Merchant yesterday and you had a team in Philadelphia and you had a team in Perth, Amboy, New Jersey, then you don't have to move anybody. Then you've got 16 teams, eight on each side. You've got two teams that you're adding to the correct time zone as well as uh, the West, you, you know, the Pacific time zone. It makes a lot of sense to me. Alex, you know, have you heard anything about a team in Perth, Amboy, New Jersey at this point? Uh, only from the finest source that I know in Howard Megdal that way. But um, I, I can't I report it's happening. I can't unfortunately. Uh, yeah, you are not a reliable source for that specific part of it. Uh, to be honest, I, you know, I think this is a really smart move for the WNBA in part because look at where the success has been in women's sports. Mm-hmm. Uh, as much as there are teams that have been successful on the East Coast, if you look right now. The top, you could argue, three, maybe four franchises in the National Women's Soccer League in terms of financial value, which is the metric that is most important at this point, are all West Coast-based. Angel City and San Diego, the two most recent additions to this league, are the top two according to this recent Sportico team value list that we got. Portland has historically been a sensational women's soccer market. Seattle has the excellent storm as well as a good women's soccer team in that way. The West Coast has for whatever reason, been a stronger women's sports market and more likely to show up to support women's sports. Their arenas are very large out here. The Mercury are a historic and strong franchise in that way. The Aces led the league in attendance this year. It's clear to me that there's a women's sports kind of surge happening out West here that it makes it smart, even if the league had other options and I think maybe could prefer to have more East Coast or even Toronto if they can get the charter flight issue sorted out to make it easier to get to Toronto. I think there's definitely East Coast options and it wouldn't surprise me to just see the next one be two East Coast cities move Minnesota back. But like right now, like go where, go where interest is clearly showing. And I think that is the West Coast on, on the moment. I mean, we joke about it, but the truth is that Toronto would be a sensational place for a WNBA team. It's that flight issue. But again, when you look at what the price has been put at, even by Kathy Engelbert in the league, and then you compare that number to what is a reasonable expectation for TV money coming with the media rights deal that's up in 2025, it's easy to see where that math comes together. And again, this is not reported. This is simply putting the numbers and the logic together, you have a new media rights deal that opens up a lot of options, including charter flights in 2025. You add Toronto and Philadelphia in 2026, and suddenly you've got yourself a 16-team lead with potentially a new CBA as well. Because let's not forget, the players not only can opt out of the deal that currently runs through 2027, it is generally understood that they will opt out of that deal, believing that there is more money in this league just since 2020, with, I might add, a lot of good reasons for it. Jill Lacob spoke to this very thoroughly. I mean, in a pull aside with all of the reporters kind of away from the podium, 
he at one point said, look, I could have basically gotten into this league for free if I wanted to beforehand. But the way he put it, free isn't actually free in that regard. He maybe wouldn't have had to pay a purchase price, but Mm -hmm. they have to invest a significant amount in infrastructure. I think they still have to, but they are paying some type of fee. They haven't said exactly what that fee is, but it clearly is significant. And I think the other side to that is that the timing here, if you look at the potential for a media rights deal to hit nine figures per year, come the expiration of this ESPN and all of the deal in 2025 for a person like Joe, you get in right now. And all of a sudden that deal goes from being in the mid $30 million range to what Howard, even just a hundred million, let alone into the 100 millions. That's a pretty quick and pretty stark turn on investment for a guy like Lakeup that this, like this expansion window seems like a particularly strong one to be getting in on. You've done great reporting on this on the NWSL side. Meg Linehan, friend of the show, had a terrific piece just recently about this, talking about the fact that essentially the reason NWSL teams are getting involved now, that expansion window is now, is because <clears throat> there is a uh, there is a media rights deal being negotiated as we speak. You know, the CBS was up. They had an inclusive window in January. That window passed. In the past, that would have felt like a disaster. For NWSL, like, oh, the one network that wanted us uh, loses the rights to do it. But in this moment where live sports are the coin of the realm, and we just saw such a strong showing from, for instance, the CBS broadcast of the NWSL final at the end of the 2022 season, there's a payday coming. And so teams buying in to do that now makes sense. Well, now you just shift that forward a couple of years. That's what you're looking at on the WNBA side. And yes, it's not free. There's infrastructure costs, and a new CBA is almost certainly going to mean higher salary caps and higher overall salaries. But it's hard not to do the math and not come to the conclusion that the guy who left the New York Liberty by the side of the road right before this explosion has to be sitting there every day wondering how much money he lost on it. And honestly, too, like if you think about it, those things help itself, right? The NWSL telling and especially the owner of bfc there's several owners but the lead one being alan waxman from sixth street he said look we think this investment's going to look great in in a rapidly short amount of time even Mm -hmm. paying 53 million to get into the league and by the way getting somebody to pay that amount of money will only help make that next deal look better there's obviously some metric to it but clearly if people want to be here it can kind of grow itself in that way and joe lakeup basically said i'm a venture capital guy i know how VC funding works. He feels that this was a fascinating bit of insight from him. He was asked by a Business Times reporter here in the Bay Area if he thought that he was getting in kind of in the IPO stage of the WNBA. And Joe said he thought he was getting in at the pre-IPO stage. Yeah. He's not even, it's not even at the first point of it exploding, but he's actually catching it right before it does that. And to me, that's the that is a amazingly fascinating quote to get from Lady. It is very hard to argue the point. It is especially hard to argue that point when you think about it from the league's perspective. And, you know, I've written about this over at the Nine newsletter this week, you know, just to share a little further the idea that this league wanted, needed there to be a $50 million price tag attack to feel properly ready to be able to say, yes, why did it matter so much? And, and again, why is that harder? We've talked about this too on the show. I think you and I have talked about this on the show. NWSL teams, you were getting 100% of the ownership rights. WNBA teams, both because of 
the NBA owning half at first and then the capital raise, which sold approximately 16.6% of the lead for $75 million. It means functionally you're getting around 42% of a team when you buy a team. And so getting that number to $50 million, that's a very big deal. It also, by the way, puts the lead in a position to, in a way that was just frankly not the case a year ago, to be talking about the lead as a whole being worth $1 billion. You can put the math together. If 42% of one team is worth $50 million, then you're having a different conversation about what the lead as a whole is worth. If that's what the money going to is specifically just to get into the league. And I'm not totally certain that that's the case. I think it's part of the 50 million is investing into the infrastructure. So no doubt about it. Well, we're going to have one more ad uh, and then come on back with just some final thoughts. Excited first, of course, to talk to you about FanDuel. And the thing about FanDuel is that they give you an opportunity to bet without remorse. So new customers can get $200 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $200 in bonus bets, win or lose. Listen, you can bet on Rutgers and you know it's a sure thing, but there are teams that might not win and might not cover. So the app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options. There's spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn to kick off the NFL season. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. So just that final thought as you kind of process everything that's going in and seeing Tara in tears and seeing this kind of world come together, it's real fast. It's 18 months, but it's going to happen real fast. But what is the next thing you're looking for? What's the next benchmark for this now that we have the announcement? Well, first off, 18 months seems like an eternity compared to the nine months for the NWSL that I've been covering as well. So there's, you know, to, in some ways it feels fast and others it feels slow. But the reality is it's not really 18 months. If you think about this more, the expansion draft will likely come, I would say, around December of 2024 is mm-hmm. when we would get an expansion draft. So we're looking at really 14 months until then. I'm sure with that 14 month window, they're going to need to pick a name. They're going to need to set up their organization in their front office. Uh, they're probably going to need to have a head coach in place by that point. I know that that hasn't necessarily been guaranteed on the NWSL side, who only just got the head coach a few months. But there is a window here, I think, throughout the 2023 and four Warriors season, especially as the NBA kicks off, that there can be a lot of push around this. I, I would have to assume there is a lot of optimism that this amount of runway helps the team out heavily. It also, Howard, and I'm sure you've talked to people about this, this also helps the other GMs in the league to have this much of a runway because they can go into a full offseason thinking ahead, knowing, look, we have to, you know, however the procedures are, usually you're going to get to protect a certain amount of people. Mm-hmm. You need to leave certain people exposed for the expansion teams. Having two teams also allows, if we get Portland as we are anticipating them to be as the second team, it allows for a team to not be so kind of dominant coming into the league instantaneously. If you saw in other leagues that have expanded, the NHL expanded one team at a time. And those teams, I mean, Vegas was able to, in the NHL, really get strong really quickly by basically being the only team and knowing that they were going to get somebody from everyone. Whereas when you have two teams, 
it's a harder to guarantee some things. There might be some asset moves ahead of time. I do happen to think, Howard, that there is a certain player who's playing in these finals who is from the Bay Area and went to college right near Portland who is going to be a highly sought-after player by both of these potential expansion teams, the one we know for sure is here and potentially the one that could come up in Portland. Uh, Sabrina Ionescu's life sh- surely has gotten all the more interesting in the last 24 hours. No doubt about it. And listen, her college coach is going to be, I think, one of the people that is talked about for both of these openings. So it'll be fascinating to see all of it. Alex Simon of SFGate, always delightful to chat with you. To our listeners, thank you for making us your first listen every day. Stay tuned tomorrow. Natalie Heffern has both of our WNBA finalist beat reporters, Matthew Walter and Jackie Powell, talking about the WNBA finalists. Oh, yes, it's been a very busy week in women's basketball. I am Howard Megdahl, wishing all of you a wonderful – oh, WNBA expansion. I can't believe it. There we go. Just had to do one more. Wishing all of you a wonderful Thursday. Welcome to Wallet. For the win. You are locked on women's basketball. Your daily podcast on women's basketball. 